Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. I'm Ben and you're listening to the Sound Logic Podcast. This is Mike. Each episode we discuss one of music's greatest albums from Rolling Stone Magazine's Top 500 list. Brought to you by two guys with no credentials. Welcome back, everyone. You found the Sound Logic Podcast. We're glad you're with us here today. Today, we are discussing album number 23 on Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Albums of All Time. That happens to be John Lennon, Plastic Ono Band by John Lennon. Yeah, a bit of a redundant title, I guess. Yeah, I guess I didn't say the slash. There's a slash in there too. John Lennon slash Plastic Ono Band <laughs> in the title. I don't know for yeah, artistic purposes. I don't think you have to. I don't think you have to say it. Yeah, well, we I can't even be... ask him anymore if it's important or crucial. No, we we could ask Yoko. We could. That's true. Send her a tweet. She was there. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> right. Uh, ben, have you listened to this album at all before we started doing this thing? No, this was a new one for me. Um, I think, I think probably when I really got into the Beatles, I, I probably had a notion that I should really tackle some solo stuff. I think Paul okay. McCartney was the only person I ever pursued that with. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure why. I think, uh, I don't know. Maybe John's songs never seemed to appeal to me as much as. Uh, Paul's did and so that was the path that I chose first but um, how about you was this a new one for you yeah brand new I had I have never explored John's solo stuff you know I knew some of the big hits like Imagine yeah and you know a couple couple other songs I had heard but never really and same thing never had a desire to search out his solo stuff Paul McCartney's solo career just seemed to kind of be in the spotlight a little more. Yeah, I think more more singles, uh, catchier singles. Yep, and and of course his stuff with Wings, uh, you know, tons of music there. Yeah, uh, maybe maybe we can say he was more successful as a solo artist, and I mean that's one subjective and two perhaps not fair because he was able to continue to produce music after 1980, whereas John wasn't. Yep. Um, so. I don't know what to say, but for whatever reason, no, I hadn't listened to this before. Uh, really wasn't familiar with any of it. Yeah. What did you expect before you listened to it? Did you have any preconceived notions about it? Yeah, I think I was assuming it would sort of continue on the path that he uh, seemed to be on at the end of the Beatles era. So when I think about his music from that time, I, I think about it, whether this is fair or not, as being uh, a little darker, a little bit more uh, random, um, uh, a little bit more shouty <laughs> for some reason, and uh, and a right. little bit yep. weirder, you know, with uh, uh, drug influence, with Yoko's influence, 
just like right. doing things for the sake yes. of trying and not necessarily because they actually sound really good. And so I didn't know at all what to expect here. Um, how about you? I, I was thinking towards the negative in terms of what I thought it would be, but what I did know historically and similar to you was kind of the breakdown of yeah. the Beatles group with John's, John's issues with, with substance abuse and already knowing, although not knowing her music, but knowing Yoko Ono's music to be a little out there and a little avant-garde, I knew that and knowing that she was a major influence with him. Uh, I, I thought it would be a bit of a flop, at least in yeah. terms of my listening experience. Yeah, I, I think that's uh, an interesting place to start from. I, I guess the other piece that I'll add here is that um, I, I do put some stock still, even though <laughs> I'm still not quite clear how this list was exactly assembled. The fact that it is so high made me think, oh, maybe there's going to be something good here. Uh, 23rd best album of all time. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> with a few exceptions, I think we felt yeah. fairly pleased by the music that we've tackled so far that we haven't ever heard before. And so I, I was cautiously optimistic, I guess, too. I think that's fair. And there's at least some curiosity. Yeah. Like when we, uh, I think whenever we kind of start to have this conversation, the album that I go back to in my mind is always Velvet Underground and Nico. Yeah. Because that was the thing where it's like, well, there's got to be a reason it's here. And even even after listening to it or partially listening to it, going, okay, but there's got to be, <laughs> like, there's got to be a, a big reason why it's here. Yeah. And something like this that I really wasn't familiar with, like, well, to be 23rd greatest, there's got to be, it could be awesome. Yeah, yeah. So there's, there's that anticipation and, and, and also, and we've talked about this for kind of the excitement of listening to something that's totally new. And for, again, not to sound, I certainly haven't listened to all the music or even have scratched the surface on all the music, but I've listened to a lot of music to, to, to find something new within this rock genre or what they say. I think we can say that this list is rock centric, is focused kind of around rock and the things that touch rock and have created yeah. it um it's exciting to to come across this new music yeah, absolutely or new to absolutely, us yeah. new to us um i've i've moved something up in our schedule here in our kind of uh rubric if you will um because just kind of the flow of the way our conversations go so so i want to ask at this point uh, do you have any personal memories tied to the album or any of the songs and i know that you said you had listened to it before but did anything uh kind of trigger as you listened to it no i don't think so uh aside from some oh. um similar sounding uh uh artist which <laughs> grew out of a text message that you sent me about one specific song but we'll get to that later when we go over the the music in particular um so there were some oh, right. <laughs> familiar sounds but not because i had heard sure. the music before yeah well yeah i I didn't have any memories, but when I heard Working Class Hero, which is one of the tracks, I knew I had heard it. Really? And again, huh. I'll come back to that later. I, I knew I heard and I said, I know I've heard this, but for some reason I felt like I hadn't heard his version. Um, and I, as we'll discuss later, that I found that to be true. But But that was the only thing. Other than that, there was nothing. There was nothing that was familiar um or nothing n no memories to it so yeah. again brand new 
So, and and again, fun to to do something totally new. And, and I guess the last couple albums we've done, Robert Johnson, uh, all very new to me, and even Chuck Berry, I knew some of the hits, but all very new. So I guess in these next few albums that we're doing, it's a lot of it's new. Yeah, I think that that, that is exciting, and um, yeah, I think. I'm. I guess I'm assuming that these next few albums are not just here for their historic significance. Like they're too recent for that to be <laughs> their primary purpose. I guess. Yeah. And, uh, so yeah, for sure, it'll be fun to tackle these next couple. Well, let's get into some details, shall we? I love it. Details, 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 details. Okay, so this album was released on December 11th, 1970. And if I'm remembering correctly, that's the same year that uh, the Beatles' last album was released, which was Let It Be. Pretty sure that was in 1970. So this is right on the heels of the Beatles' career, same year. Uh, Everything's written by John Lennon. Uh, It charted number eight in the UK and number six in the US. So uh, again, the Beatles are very popular in the US. for sales, I found that it was certified gold in the U.S., so that's half a million. Okay. Uh, so not not in, not nearly as successful as most of the Beatles albums. Um, got a few notes here. So this album was released. It, this was John Lennon's first solo album. However, he had done some experimental albums or recordings, maybe not albums, with... Uh, the Plastic Ono Band, which was him and Yoko Ono and a few other people. Um, And this was released on the same day as Yoko Ono's debut avant-garde album, which was called The Same Thing. Um, Yeah. Hers was called Plastic Ono Band. Um, Did you, before we move on, did you you uh, take an opportunity to listen to that? No, I haven't. I got your word of warning that it was quite out there. And I, I didn't pursue it. I should have, but um, yeah. I I would recommend at least perusing the first few minutes of each track. <laughs> it's uh, you know what? Some of the music, because it's John Lennon, uh, it's Ringo Starr. He plays the drums, uh, just as he does on on this album. Um, and uh, some of the music's actually oh. quite good, but the uh, the vocal stylings are... Uh, I mean, Yoko Ono, she doesn't... And I haven't listened to every single track yet, and I'd like to, but she doesn't really sing. Like, she doesn't sing words. She kind of she kind of screams or yells one word, which... And, and again, I'm not... This is not me knocking it or saying that yeah. it's bad. Um, I'm just trying to... I'm just trying to say what it is, and it's Yoko Ono kind of yelling, and there's a lot of points where she's got different effects on her voice um or a a lot of like uh delays and relays so um it's certainly interesting uh but i could see that it might not have been very (laughs) successful (laughs) in the in the mainstream so have you have you figured out why exactly we've got uh multiple collaborative albums using plastic ono band and now here we have two albums that are considered to be solo projects, but also using that Plastic Ono Band moniker. 
and including the same people who were a part of the collaborative Plastic Ono band. <laughs> it's a little bit weird to me that we call this, that we call these two albums solo projects when it's clearly more than the individual. And it's the same individuals <laughs> who have band. been working together well, on these other side projects for, uh, you know, the decade before. Um, I don't know if it's a sales move or if there really was a point where like, you know, they went off by themselves and said, look, uh, this is not collaborative anymore. I'm going to write stuff here. You write stuff there. We'll keep using the plastic Ono band moniker. Have you ever had an experience with not just your, your spouse now, but with any partner or even a friend where you really, really, you really respect them, care for them, love them. And they say, Hey, do you want to do this thing with me? You, you know, whatever it may be, you know, make a cake or make a song or make some art. And you go, uh, <laughs> yeah, sure, we can do that. <laughs> I kind of get the sense with these two albums because John played on Yoko Ono's album. He played guitar and Ringo drummed and all the, a lot of the same artists. And on John's album, she's not there. She has a credit for, in quotations, wind. <laughs> Uh, and I don't know what I don't know what wind is, but you never hear her voice, and she's not credited on playing any instrument. So I don't know what wind is, whether that's some sort of spiritual or emotional support. So it's like, uh, John, will you play on my album? <laughs> well, of course I will. You know, and it's like, can I play on your album? Uh, yeah, we'll find a spot for you. You know, like I, you know, and I don't know how it went yeah, down, yeah. and I'm not. This is not historical, but I almost get that sense that. Her name is there and her picture's on the cover, right. but she's not in it. Right. <laughs> she didn't actually contribute yep. to the music. I'm not saying she didn't contribute in any way, yeah. uh, because I don't know that. I can't say that. <laughs> but it's kind uh, of like, you know, oh, yeah, we could do it together. Yeah, yeah sure. <laughs> <laughs> you know, anyways, that's that's me kind of yeah. making that up. But I digress. Well, I, I, I think you're onto something, though, because I think with more Yoko present here i think it, and it probably would end up being like way more avant-garde like her album is if i'm yeah. understanding you correctly yes whereas this album yes it still has that same um i don't know it's not the same sound but it sounds like a logical next stepping point if the band had stayed together perhaps there's definitely a difference you're not wrong there um but I think, you know, you don't have those other three guys and you really feel his flavor on yeah. this. Um, yeah. And, and I, and I want to, I think we should move on because that, that really leads into the next. Yeah. So, um, so for some of the other artists, so the names that would be recognizable, uh, Ringo Starr plays, not every song has drums, but every song that does have drums features Ringo Starr on drums. And also Phil Spector plays piano, uh, for the track called love um which is interesting um i took uh there's a lot of really interesting pieces written and there was one quotation uh which i think really sums up this album musically and definitely lyrically this is from uh, a website called beatles bible and i don't know how Incredible they are, but they it seemed to have a lot of stuff. So it said, John, John Lennon's first solo album remains one of the most remarkable musical statements ever released by a major artist. With confrontation of various demons, a demolition of the Beatles legend, and at times a painfully honest account of a troubled man 
struggling to deal with a reality he couldn't change. The album saw Lennon stripping away layers of defense and artifice, leaving his most raw, direct, and heartfelt collection wow. of songs. And I think you, when you read the through the lyrics and listen to them, a lot of them yeah. are very personal, um, and and some of them very dark, uh, but very honest, and especially in the wake of a lot of very happy poppy songs, certainly from the earlier career of the Beatles, but also some of it later or some of the more playful songs. This is much, a much different feel uh, dealing with a lot of domestic issues and uh, issues that stem to his, his childhood uh, feeling abandoned by his parents, um, his mother who died when he was very young and his father who left. Uh, so it's, it's very personal, very raw. And I think that's why, I think that's one of the reasons as we get a little further, I think that's one of the reasons that they put this so high. Not only is the music good, but lyrically you see a very different side of the John Lennon that you knew from the Beatles. Yeah. Well, and I think if I'm remembering correctly, was it the white album that, um, fans kind of criticized for being right there in the late sixties and not being terribly politically pointed. Uh, this album, okay. on the other hand, has some like very specific oh, cultural critiques. Um, Absolutely. <laughs> you know, where it's like, okay, you thought we were just making fun music you could scream along to? Like, let me tell you how life really works. <laughs> and uh, yeah. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. there's a depth to it that, that I don't think you see all that often in the Beatles catalog. I, I agree. I agree. It, it really does dig deep. And I think some of them, some of the songs are difficult to really listen to. Uh, both musically and lyrically, mm -hmm. some of them are challenging. Um, the Rolling Stone, you know, if you go to the Rolling Stone Top 500 album website, because they have a whole section for it, there's a little blurb on each album, and here's a little excerpt from that. It says, this album is also known as the Primal Scream album, referring to the painful therapy that gave rise to its songs. It is the sound of year zero. I'm assuming year zero means, you know, the first year mm. after the Beatles, uh, what that sounds like. Uh, Primal Scream right. was, uh, are you familiar with this? Did you read up on this at all? Just a little bit. Yeah. So, so after the Beatles or as they ended and John Lennon kind of, and Yoko Ono kind of retreated to his private estate and had, you know, a ton of people there all the time. And he was really, he was really spiraling mentally. Mm -hmm. um, and he, he read a book by a uh, psychologist or psychotherapist in the U.S. And the, one of the theories was uh, this primal scream. And he liked it so much or was so intrigued by it. He read the book in a day and then called this doctor and got him to, you know, got him to come over. And the idea was that they kind of berate you so much and force you to break down and go back into your past that you just end up just screaming, yeah. <laughs> just kind of you, you, they break you down. And then once you've broken down, then they can, they dig in um, and can really dig deep into those issues and so he they he flew this doctor over to their place but because there were people there all the time it just didn't work so he got them to come back to new york 
and started doing this therapy and really stripped everything away. And I think that her, he's quoted as saying that that gave uh, inspiration oh. to kind of put all that very personal stuff in this album. Sure. Uh, did you have any other historical notes before we get kind of into the, um, the artwork? Here? I thought it'd be interesting to point out that uh, Rolling Stone at the end of the eighties considered it the fourth best album of the past 20 years. So in 19, oh, wow. 1987, they came out with a top 100 albums of the last 20 years and uh, it was number four. Okay. So, uh, it, um, Interesting. It was, it was highly. Wow, I think about all the time. albums. In the yeah, basically in the seventies and eighties, and I guess a, a little bit of the late sixties too. Um, it was given the yeah uh, number, number four, four ranking by Rolling Stone. Uh, and, so. and think, you know, so at least with that group of people and possibly more, it really resonated. Yeah, uh, right. It really resonated. There's something in there, and I think because it's so personal. And also, a lot of it's very relatable. Yeah. Um, and I think that if you're in the right state of mind, it can help you kind of face some of those demons or some of those issues. Well, and I wonder too if the, if you grew up with the Beatles as your sort of uh, candy mm. pop, uh, you know, good time music, uh, and then you start to get yeah. jaded a little later in life to have an album like this to that's still tied to those childhood memories, I think would be pretty powerful. Yeah. Um, Very much more mature. Yeah. I totally agree. You can read different books and there's one about Laurel Canyon, um, but there's a major shift in music and in culture. Once you hit the seventies, mm -hmm. I've probably talked about this before, but one of the big reasons is, is drug use. And by the late sixties, 68, 69, 70, um, Everybody is switching from, you know, hallucinogens, uh, acid, uh, marijuana, LSD, and they're switching over to the really hard uppers, uh, heroin, cocaine, right. and of the like. And so that is majorly affecting the creative process, uh, physical and mental health, and the whole culture. You see a big shift in the type of music. It's much darker um, in the seventies and a lot, and the music mm -hmm. is harder, uh, in general, if you listen to a lot of the rock, um, and I think, uh, tied into that, but you have the deaths of some very significant people, um, at the end of the sixties, you know, Jimi Hendrix, Jim Morrison, um, even mama Cass, although it's slightly different culture, but it was all kind of the same group of people and everything is shifting. And I think, John Lennon is right at the forefront of it. Uh, you know, he, he switches right away. He's almost like a couple years ahead of the curve here in terms of what's happening in the whole tone of the musical culture. So it's really, really interesting. And I think, again, that adds on to why this album has been placed so, so yeah. significant. Okay, so album cover. So this is another one of the album. Uh, we've seen a few of these album covers that has no writing on it. Yeah. Like in every, I've tried to make, sh make sure that I wasn't just grabbing a picture, but any, like, it doesn't say anything anywhere. Right. And it's, uh, the same image as Yoko's, uh, plastic ono band. It comes out the same time, yeah. right? If you it's just a slightly it, different color tint. If, unless I'm mistaken in this one, 
John Lennon is lying down kind of with his knees up a bit on his back. Uh, and he's kind of resting on, on the, on Yoko Ono, who's sitting with, uh, with her back to the tree and on Yoko Ono's, it's the same shot. The lighting is just a little bit different, uh, but the people have switched spots. Uh, I didn't even catch that. He's sitting against the tree and she's sitting in front of him, um, leaning against him. Uh, so, and I, I find that very interesting. I find it symbolic, whether it's intentional or not, that in this album, he is resting against Mm her. Um, as a, he doesn't have the dominant position being behind her, around her. Even though he didn't want her to um, help make he the is cake. Resting. <laughs> hey, I want to go on the record saying that's a that's a Mike Jones interpretation. Okay, that's not. You can't. I don't want anybody. You know, kind of saying that that's actually happened. Jeez. Um, but you know, and he was very. They were always very public with their affection and with how they felt about each other and their relationship. It was a very public relationship, um, and I think this is a, a a beautiful expression. And I think it shows also kind of what he's kind of dealing with and going through. That he's kind of releasing some of this, some of his past, and letting someone else help him. So, yeah, uh, it's very the wash on it, kind of just screams 70s oh, yeah. to me late mm-hmm. 60s early 70s just the filth the filtering of the light you know it's it's greeny yellowy and it's it looks like an old picture that your parents would have in an old album i almost want the edges to be rounded yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know like like those old photos yeah right with the rounded edges because this is i mean this is over a decade before yep. you and i were born so the we don't have any pictures in our life when we were alive that had yeah. this quality. So there's this kind of older quality of uh, just a regular old photograph. Um, they're leaning against this large tree, you know, they could be in a little meadow or by a Creek. Um, yeah, it's a nice image, but that's it. Just a picture. And they're very small in it, right? They're, they're at the bottom of the picture, you know, they take up like the, the halfway mark of the picture. They're mm-hmm. way below it. So they don't even take up much of the picture. It's mostly just the tree and the, and the foliage, you know, so very interesting. Should I list all the tracks? <laughs> I think I should. Parts. I feel like I should. I usually cop out <laughs> if it's a big list, but uh, this is, I, I think, I think because this is a significant, well, they're all significant yeah. albums, but um, I think a lot of these songs really speak. Okay, so we'll go through uh, 11 tracks. So we've got Mother. Hold on. I found out. Working class hero. Isolation. Then I think we go to side two with remember. Love. Well, well, well. Look at me. God. 
and My Mummy's Dead. End on a happy end on a happy note. <laughs> yeah, if I was gonna say, and like Robert Johnson, um, you can tell a lot by the names that he chooses to give these songs. Um, you know, you, you almost instantly yeah. get a sense of what this album is going to be talking about. Uh, some heavy heartbreak, mm-hmm. um, deeper, yeah, deeper stuff here. Well, and the book ends with the first track is "Mother," and the last yeah. track is "My Mummy's Dead." So it's there there's you know i think and and he was open about it too really dealing with you know feeling abandoned by his mother and then her dying when i think it was like in 59 mm-hmm. or 60 like he was very young um so really dealing with that the the impact that had on his life and it's almost like it's like for the decade that he was in the Beatles and maybe for all of them, but certainly for John, I feel like what he's saying with the album is that he didn't really have a chance to deal with anything personal during that time. That like all this stuff is just building up and now it's all this baggage you got to unpack. Yeah. I kind of get that sense. I made a few notes on, on just some of the tracks that I liked. Did you, uh, did you want to go first or why don't we start with the one that we were texting about? Um, we're getting into songs that stand out, I think. Uh, sure. It, it was somewhere during the summer where you had sent me a message saying, hey, have you, have you checked out Plastic Ono Band yet? And I had maybe given it a single very quick run through. And you're like, go go check out uh, track number six. Remember, tell me what you think it sounds like. <laughs> and uh, right. um, immediately I was like, oh, man, this sounds so familiar. <laughs> And I think three bands actually uh, came to my mind. I, I thought it, it had a little bit yeah. of a Ben Folds kind of piano-driven element. I thought it sounded uh, a lot like some of the more piano-focused stuff from Electric Light Orchestra, who it, I guess is a band that tried to mimic the Beatles sound, so that's not too yeah. surprising. And, uh, and then a, a, a good old Canadian <laughs> band that we listened to a lot in high school called Sloan, which... Um, I think was the one that you had in your mind. Is that right? Uh, well, it was Ben Folds. Uh, really, some of the oh, it was ben some Folds. of the okay. some of the timing signatures. He plays around with some of the timing within the yeah. within the verses. Really made me feel of and very piano driven on that. So it made me think of Ben Folds. And I hadn't thought of ELO. I'm not as familiar with ELO. I don't think I'm as quite a big as fan as you are. Although they're very good. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you mentioned Sloan, like yeah, some of their more piano-y stuff, although they're you know they have a lot of guitar-driven songs, but but really yeah. it's, it's Ben Folds that jumped out. And they and all three of those groups do play with timing and time signature, right. and sometimes have their drums sort of on off beats that you aren't anticipating or expecting. Um, it doesn't. It doesn't make me think Ringo Starr when I listen to those drums on that song. No? Like, I, I don't know. It's it's fairly simple, but um, yeah, I don't know. Just with the timing of the piano, uh, it's a really... I love what they've done with that. And that's, that's easily the track that stands out for me and the one I keep going back to, uh, perhaps because of its familiarity. But uh, quick glance as you went through that track list just now um, that's the one where I was like oh I want to put that one yeah back on. <laughs> it's probably my favorite and I think it's the one I enjoy the most and 
I find it um, it's fun to listen to, but also it's it's stimulating too because musically it's it's a little more complicated, and I like that. Um, yeah, it's <laughs> some of the tracks are are hard to listen to lyrically. Like yeah. they're they're depressing, they're they're challenging, and yeah. and they're negative. Um, and that's and I'm not saying that's bad or wrong. There's a we need to have those songs, but I don't always want to listen to that. But remember is a little happier, a little peppier. Um, remember jumps out right away. I think it's probably my favorite track or one of them. Um, I really I do like Mother. I like the way it starts with kind of the. Um, you know, it's the album is dark, and the album starts with this this ominous tolling of a bell before you know for quite some time. Uh, yeah. They really let it ring out before. It's probably you know twenty or thirty seconds before, and he starts like his lyric starts the song. Yeah, you know, right in. There's no there's no intro. It's so it's like kind of just. I was surprised the first time I heard it. Oh, here we go. <laughs> Song is starting. Um, yeah. Uh, mother, mother, you had me, but I never had you. I mean, that's that's pretty that's pretty dark. <laughs> like, yeah. um, you know, that's it's tough. Like, that's plots along, but it's not a boring song either. I mean, I think because no. there's so much emotion poured into it, uh, I'm usually quick to knock songs that are more than five minutes long. But I didn't find myself thinking like oh just get to the end <laughs> i don't know there's something about it that i found quite compelling um i was listening while i was making notes for this i was listening to the album and i always forget about it but then partway through the second track hold on there's a, a man's voice whispers kind of says the words in a deep voice says cookie in the middle of the song and i can't figure out why it's like it jumps out at me every time and it's like it's so weird and it doesn't like to me it doesn't fit with it kind of makes me giggle because it's just kind of weird yeah it's kind of like this guy creeping in the back um and uh i the the track love is the one that um phil specter plays on and uh i love the piano in that song it is really beautiful piano part um and that one really jumps out to me um it's beautiful uh the song uh god where he just kind of goes he it's like a list right i don't believe in I don't believe in God. I don't believe he just goes through all these things. I don't believe. I don't believe in Beatles. You know, it's like it's a statement, but it's it's just this verse that goes on and on and on, very repetitive. It's like a laundry list, yeah. um, and it's very it's poignant and almost it, it feels uncomfortable. Like I feel uncomfortable listening to it. Yeah, because it, it's so personal and direct, and and, and I, I, I do like it, but it's yeah. it's tough. It almost makes me feel like a, a, some sort of response to um, imagine, like it, it's it, it's trying to pull back the curtain on reality rather than saying like, hey, there's something beautiful out there. <laughs> it's like a bizarro version or something right. of uh, of imagine. Um, yeah, it's or I guess really interesting. I guess imagine what might have been the response <laughs> yeah, to this. <laughs> yeah. The other one that really uh, pulls me in every time is isolation. 
Um, I think similar to Love, it's got a beautiful kind of piano refrain throughout it, but uh, it's also kind of melancholy in a way that I I really like. And the song has a big crescendo and builds to a, a, a more intense uh, point partway through, too. Yeah, it kind of plays with the sharps and flats there and almost has a bit of a Beatles feel. Yeah. Um, but a bit of a Paul feel, kind of. Uh, yeah, yes, yeah. for sure. Um, and, you know, you got to expect there's going to be some of that. When you've been making music with the same people right. for a decade, yeah, uh, it's going to be hard to shake that, especially when he was, a, you know, one of the driving forces of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you, if you played me a bunch of Beatles tracks and mixed in some of the... Like, if I didn't know... Mm-hmm that these tracks were from a John Lennon solo album and you mix some in, yeah. I think that I would say, well, that one's a little different, uh-huh. you know, like same, same voice, similar instrumentation. Yeah. You know, it's not similar, same genre of music is not like it's, you know, we've put on the Yoko Ono track and it's like, holy moly, what's this, you know? But I think I would say like, Oh, this is different Yeah, for most of them, not all of them, but some of them are similar. Yeah. Even though it's so close to their Beatles uh, career, there, there's a 70s vibe, I think, that, that comes out of some mm-hmm. of these tracks, too. I found out um, makes me feel a lot like uh, like a T-Rex album, a band that we'll get to. Okay, in a yeah. Bunch of albums. <laughs> um, like just a bit grittier That's around the edges. Uh, oh, you don't like T-Rex? Oh, that'll be a fun one to do that. You know what? I, I say that I probably don't know. I probably don't know anything other than banging on, get it on. And I feel like we heard that <laughs> so many times growing up. It's just like, oh my it's god, really? Uh, so, so I'm I'm very ignorant when it comes to that band. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah. I'll look forward to it. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's such a it's such an interesting album. Um, I think my first time through, I thought, meh, there's not a whole lot here, but every time I've listened to it since I have found it more enjoyable and more, uh, maybe nuanced or, or rich in terms of the stuff that's there to digest. Yes. Um, I feel like each listen kind of builds on the one before, which is not something I was expecting. I just read in our notes additional, before you start speaking, it says additional comments. And I hadn't written anything, but I was going to say almost the same thing. <laughs> uh, that, that the first time, the first time through, I was like, "Ah, it's okay," <laughs> and then thought I should I should give it another go yeah. just for the sake of being studious. Yep. And every time I've listened to it, I'm finding new things, and I'm enjoying more things, or I'm or I'm hearing a track and going, oh, "I didn't really." noticed that yeah. track before but this time i really like it. you know like so it's it's an album that's got a bit of a slow burn yeah. um <laughs> you know it it takes a little while but yeah. there are some gems there and as a whole it it is it it is a very special yeah. album and and there's something very interesting about i mean any artist who breaks any artist who breaks away from a very successful band and that's an understatement when it comes to the Beatles. Um, I find it always very interesting. What are they going to do on their solo attempt? Mm-hmm. Some have, some have uh, set out and absolutely flopped. Here, think about you know like Freddie Mercury, who's 
solo career was not successful, even though he was amazing. Yeah. Um, as a solo artist, it kind of flopped. Yeah. Um, and there's been others and then some who have done amazing things, you know, John Lennon, Paul McCartney, uh, guys like, uh, uh Peter Gabriel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, 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 and many others, Phil Collins, many others who have done well. And so I find it very interesting what happens, but this, uh, yeah, this is a special album. I liked it. There's there's another piece here that I think it's a good good time for this segue. Um, so I, I do need to give a shout out to my friend Thomas. He um, recently commented on Facebook about discovering how great Marvin Gaye's uh, What's Going On album is. And I put like a very quick comment right. saying... Yeah, we had a similar experience when we went through it on the Sound Logic podcast. He said, "What's that?" And you know, and I was down the the rabbit hole that we began. And uh, he really, he really <laughs> seems to be appreciating Sound Logic podcast. And several days ago, he uh, he put up a post, really uh, appreciating the journey that we're on, and he's really enjoying all that we've doing. Um, he. He said something like, uh, recommended for fans of overthinking how to rate albums, <laughs> which I think is, uh, yeah. is probably pretty, pretty spot on. Um, but one of the things, yeah, one of the like early critiques he had uh, for us uh, as he was going through our first few episodes was that when we were complaining about uh, artists that didn't have material on this list, often we would bring up uh, – what he calls, what Thomas calls singles artists who are really good at making hit songs, not so great at putting together an exceptional album. And as I listen to um, Hmm. this album, I think there's not really a single on here. There's not a song that I would say, oh man, this is going to get a ton of airplay. But as an album, it's just really well put together. It flows well. The themes are all there. It, It feels, I don't know, concept albums, I, I still don't exactly know <laughs> when we say that what we mean. What that is. Yeah. Um, but but this is a really good album, uh, even though there are no hit songs on it. Um, I think about you know Thriller has like uh, a ton of singles and is also uh, a great album. Uh, but there are other albums by. Uh, I don't know, maybe an artist like, whew, I don't know who to pick on, Taylor Swift or someone who has a bunch of really great singles, but the album kind of is clunky between songs or that's eh, not fair to Taylor. She's, she does some great stuff too. But you know what I mean? Like there's, there's plenty of artists out there who write hit songs and kind of fill in the rest with filler. And, and sometimes I think we get lost in the weeds a little bit when we try and say an album is great because it has successful single songs on it kind of overlooking the fact that it may not be a great album. Um, so I don't know what your thoughts are on that rambling tangent, uh, but as I was listening to this album in particular, I thought this is a great album, even though I don't think any of the songs are ones that I would say are exceptional or really great. Well, I would, first of all, definitely agree with you on this particular album. It is a great album, even though, yes, there's not really any radio singles here. Uh, maybe, yeah. maybe love, maybe, maybe working class here. Although you couldn't play it because there's so much cursing in it. Um, you know, <laughs> you'd have you definitely. Well, they added they added songs, but but I I think no, you, you don't. But it's a great album. Uh, we have listened to some songs or some albums rather that I have really struggled with. <laughs> that yeah, 
you know, have been in the top 10 or even top five because a group of people have determined that they are great albums and I struggle to figure out why. So I do agree with you and what Thomas is saying, but again, and maybe it's the, the age and the, you know, the relevancy of us being born in 1982 and not born in 1945 or 55 to really appreciate the era in which these records were released in. Yeah. But some of the, some, or maybe we've missed the fact that all the songs are congruent, you know, that kind of adhere to each other that Mm -hmm. maybe we don't like them, but we've missed the, the idea that they work together. Yeah. Uh, Let's, let's use, you know, highway 61 revisited. We struggle with the album, but maybe we miss that all the songs really uh, speak to each other. You know, I I think that's it. This might be the kindest thing we've ever said. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe, maybe I've cracked the code on that album. (laughs) Yeah. And just because something fits doesn't mean that it's great. Like I think that's that's right. some that's yeah. truth too, right? That that there are lots of people who do um, wonderful concept albums that flow from song to song and touch on the same themes and are just really mediocre or not done well, right? Sure. Um, yeah. So there, yeah, there's got to be some greatness in the way that if you're focusing on just that album construction piece, there's got to be some greatness there as well. And, and that has been a great challenge for us individually and as a team or duo, if you will, um, to try and figure out what makes this so great. You know, someone thought it was great or a group of people thought it was great. So let's, let's try and crack that out. Even if we don't necessarily like it, because that's very subjective, what everybody likes something different. Mm -hmm. Maybe we can try and figure out why somebody has deemed this is, this is great. This is a great album. Uh, so Hmm. I think, this is one of the ones that I can see a lot of the things that would make someone say this is a great album. And and I was really, like you, I was pleasantly surprised, especially because at first I really didn't think it was special. And as as it went on, it was just, just really grew on me. Yeah. So do you think that this album in its entirety and even individual songs, do you think it is still relevant? Yeah, I think so. And I think it's relevant for the same reason that um, I want Nirvana's Nevermind to be relevant. Cause I think it's an artist working through difficult stuff in their life. Oh, and, yeah. uh, right on. And yep. So whether or not the, the sort of sound stylistically holds up well, I think there's a vulnerability here that I think is absolutely crucial at this moment in time. And, um, and people need to be consuming more of that rather than less. Um, so it's absolutely relevant for me. Um, point one, <laughs> what would you say? Um, I think that, uh, I don't know. I think that the, the lyrics and the ideas are still relevant. I think some of the music is relevant. I don't think that, I don't think I hear these songs being played a lot. Um, I don't 
you know, we talk that they're not radios. They're not radio hits. So I don't hear them on the radio and I don't really hear them in other places. So I think the idea of it is relevant, mm. but I don't hear them. Hmm. Yeah. That's an interesting way to, I don't, I don't Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, uh, if you, we've talked about, you know, what would happen? Like we talked about, for example, Michael Jackson's thriller. What would happen if you put on a track for a thriller in the club? Well, yeah. everyone would yeah. go nuts, you know, like you could do it right now, go down, you know, in any club tonight and, you know, but what would happen if you went into a rock club or whatever yeah. and put this on? I don't know. I don't know if people would recognize it or would, would like it yeah. if it was something new. Um, but it's not really that no, kind of album. Especially because so it's taken some time to grow on us. Well, yeah. And I think the, the idea of dealing with difficult issues should mm-hmm. always be relevant uh, because we have to do that. And, and I commend any artist who's going to tackle those issues because it's not pleasant, it's not popular, <laughs> and yeah. it's not easy. So I think that's important. And the tough thing about it is you can't do it all the time because the reasons yep. I just mentioned. Um, so, you know, that's, that's the challenge there. So yes and no, irrelevant in some ways and not in others. Um, does it sound dated to you? It sounds like a seventies album uh, at times. Yeah, It yeah. doesn't sound like what I think I the cover thinks it should sound like. <laughs> It's not a flower child no, kind of no, uh, no. spinning in a meadow kind of album. But, uh, but yeah, I think it does sound like it's from that era. Uh, but I think, you know, we've talked before about the, the instruments used. It's mostly guitar, piano, drums. Yeah. Uh, it sounds like something that mm-hmm. could be recorded today. And the recording quality is good. Um, so there are aspects of it. There are aspects that don't yeah. sound dated at all. I, I would agree. I would agree with all that. Um, so given those things and everything we've talked about, uh, was it sound logic for Rolling Stone to put this at number 23? What do you think? I, this is going to be a tough one. I'm, I'm just now thinking about our own rankings. (laughs) Um, I like this album a lot, but I don't know that it has, you know, it doesn't have the, the major singles. It doesn't have the uh, massive record sales. It it's influential in some ways, I guess. I'm you know music people like it, uh, and it's and it's good. It's something I enjoy. But twenty three, that that feels a little high uh, in my mind, and I and I don't yeah, know where I, I, I put I, it. Um, I agree. You know, we talked about. Uh, uh, in the last episode when, when Robert Johnson uh, diverged from the, the 2003 list, uh, this album was just a little bit lower. Uh, is that right? No, no, no. This album got nudged down. Yeah, it had been, down. It had been yeah, number 22. And, and uh, you know, the list that I rec- uh, referenced at the beginning of the episode, uh, top 100 albums from the 60s and or 70s and 80s, they listed that as number four. So, um, right. yeah, I don't know. Perhaps the longer we get away from it, the the more that this will will remain um, as relevant as it is. Perhaps when twenty twenty three list comes out, it'll have fallen again. I don't know. 
I I think I'm with you. I struggle. I think it's a little high. I think it should be lower um, given kind of sales and popularity and, you know, radio singles. I think really it's here because of the story it tells. Really, the story it tells mm. about John. Yeah. Because if you took all these songs and didn't change them at all, nothing, you know, except that it's not John Lennon, I think this album, you know, maybe doesn't even make the top 500 list because it's the story of the front man of the Beatles. It's his story of what he went through and what his next step was after the breaking up of the greatest band of all time. And I think that story is so significant and is so tied to everybody who grew up in that area Mm -hmm. or just about everybody um, that this is a very, very special album for a lot of people, especially music fans. And, you know, again, remembering this song or this list is compiled by music aficionados and people who grew up with it and people who whose livelihood depends on analyzing and knowing everything they can about music. So, of course, the first solo album from the front man of the Beatles, or one of them, is going to be very significant. So I think that is why it's bumped a lot higher than I think in terms of yeah. just the music and just the album. I think it would be a lot lower. We're going to talk about some albums in the next uh 20 and even the next seven that are like amazing albums to listen to that I would listen to Mm -hmm. way before I would put this on. And there's a lot of reasons. One music two, you know, just some of the, the lyrical, the issues in the lyrics that are challenging. Um, But I think really it's here. Whereas other albums have to do because of their influence. And certainly we've talked about the influences this has had on bands like Sloan and, Ben Folds and ELO and other things. I think this is more here for the story. Yep. It's the story of John Lennon. Mike drop. It's great. I think you're, I think you're absolutely right. Uh, I think you've done a great job in summarizing. It's problematic place right here. <laughs> I think, you know, you know, as much as um, Thomas has got yeah. a point, you know, sometimes maybe we perhaps miss the greatness of an album. If I think about some of the stuff that's down the pipe here a little bit, yep. Not only are they well-constructed albums, there's also singles and also stuff that I really want to listen to. <laughs> so it's um, it's like it checks all yeah. the boxes. Um, yeah. So yeah. Well, I, I'm glad we did it though. This is not one um, that I you know added, I think uh, bump it down because I don't yes. like it. I uh, I really no. do. Uh, I'm pleasantly surprised and. I, I was hesitant, you know, as it came up, yeah. I was like, well, I guess I have to listen to this album. And it's like, I, I really was not looking forward to it. I thought it would just kind of be a yep. one and done. Um, mm-hmm. And, and that was not the case. So, you know, so it, as much as I said, I think it should be lower. I really, really liked it. I don't want anyone to get the impression that I didn't like it. it it's very good. And maybe if enough people say that, then you go, well, it's, yeah. it, it's gotta be higher than, <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> Maybe that that happened to the people who compiled this list as well. Yeah, last week you added this neat idea of uh, seeing if we've got any um, songs on this album that had been covered that come to mind when we when we play through this music. Uh, this album was brand new to me, and I did not recognize a single song. 
I'm curious if there was anything that stood out to you as a cover um, <laughs> that you would have heard at some point in your life. Like I mentioned at the beginning, when I heard Working Class Hero, I knew I had heard it before, but couldn't place it. Like I knew I had heard it, but I but it wasn't John Lennon. So after listening to the album, I thought of that again. I thought, you know, I'm going to Google it and see if any anyone's done it. And sure enough, uh, back in, I think, 2007, Green Day did a cover of this. And so huh. I, went and listened to the, I went and listened to the Green Day cover. And uh, as soon as I put it on, I was like, yeah, this is the one. I've heard this somewhere because just the instrumentation of it. I was like, yes, this is the version of this that I was more familiar with. And probably when I heard it, I didn't even know it was a John Lennon song. Um, but they do a really, they do, I don't know if everyone's a Green Day fan, but they do a great job on it. And they, they make it pretty, uh, it, it sounds political, you know, the way they play it. Um, and it, it certainly is a very political John, uh, song. But when John does it, it's almost like that folk singer protest song. Um, but, you know, Green Day makes it sound more like a kind of punk era even though they don't yeah. play it really in a punk, they don't play it in a punk rock way, but more of a punk era protest song, and and they do a great job. So go check out, uh, yeah, uh, that performance of Working Class Hero by Green Day. Well, so some behind the scenes stuff for you, uh, Sound Logic podcast fans. I often have Spotify up in the background. Uh, occasionally, we'll listen to songs in my headphones while we're talking, just to remind myself of the vibe of the album. I quickly went to look for the Working Class Hero cover by Green Day and found an Ozzy Osbourne cover of Working Class Hero. <laughs> well, I, I so, found that too, and I, I <laughs> play on it, and I wasn't going to bring it up because I particularly I didn't really enjoy it. <laughs> Did you listen to it? <laughs> yeah, it's hilarious. Uh, hilarious, yeah. good or hilarious no bad? <laughs> no, it's pretty mediocre. I had no idea that Ozzy Osbourne did a covers album of a whole bunch of other stuff. Oh, so if you that like what that's sort of, yeah, if you like his sort of raspy double vocals, um, yeah, yes. I think the date on it is 2005. So he was already pretty washed up when he released Undercover, <laughs> an album full Ouch. of covers from other people. Oh, wow. uh, yeah, that might have been th during his peak uh, reality TV show fame. But, um, John. Another, another day um, and another time. Well, there you go. Yeah. Well, I think that wraps up this episode, bud. Um, sure does. And we want to thank everybody for listening. Uh, we hope you join us next time. And what do we got coming up on, on the table here? Yeah, it's, I'm excited. Uh, join us next time when we discuss album number 24, uh, Stevie Wonder's Inner Visions. I think we'll even have a guest along for the ride, and uh, it should be good. It's going to be great. As always, I look forward to chatting with you again, my friend. Can't believe we've made it this far. Here's to many more. Okay, talk to you next time. You bet. If you like what you hear, subscribe on your favorite podcast app and write a review. Send us a message at our Facebook page, on Instagram, or through our SoundLogic Podcast Twitter feed. Thanks for listening.